Good evening, friends. This is The Real Deal Podcast. I'm Surreal Gerald Quinn. Uh, There was a major, major trade that took place this evening uh, between the Washington Wizards and the Houston Rockets. Russell Westbrook traded to the Washington Wizards for John Wall in a 2023 uh, first-round draft pick that is protected. Now, I did not talk about this on my podcast because the trade was actually going on during the recording of my podcast. So if you don't hear me discuss this trade uh, during the podcast, because I did not, it would be because I did not know about the trade during the recording of my podcast. Forgive me. Enjoy your evening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 2nd of December 2020. I'm your host, Real Gerald Quinn, uh, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. I hope everybody out there is being safe. I hope everybody is having a great evening. Of course, we are just coming off the heels of Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, uh, getting by Baltimore 19 to 14, improving to 11 and 0 on the season. Baltimore falls to 6 and 5. Um, not a shocking result. Uh, Pittsburgh had plenty of opportunities to, come, to really make this game easier than, you know, uh, easier, easier on themselves. It really shouldn't have been a one possession game, to be honest with you. Give Baltimore credit for hanging in there. Uh, defensively, they played well. They'll be kicking themselves in terms of how they handled the clock at the end of the first half. Also, probably want to kick, you know, one of the referees, officials, for not calling a delayed game penalty uh, in that, you know, in that sequence of plays that, uh, in which, you know, they end up running out the clock on the incomplete pass that, you know, that was broken up. Um, you know, I, I seen that play called not called a thousand times as far as uh, the. You know, when a player gets tackled, run back, run back gets tackled, a player gets tackled, and the defensive player falls on top of them uh, to, you know, to try to run more time off the clock. I've seen that not called more times than not. So that's a judgment call. Probably should have been called, but they did not. They burnt the timeout too early in, the, in, that, in that possession. So they really mismanaged that uh, entire, that, you know, that last sequence of plays. Um, and in that time, again, this is a one possession game. That was, you know, the game at, at that point, that game is 12, seven, even if you get a field goal, you know, you're in a position where, you know, 12, 10, you know, you know, getting a touchdown, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, they're down 19, 17 and, you know, they probably, you know, driving or have a chance to, you know, take the lead, you know, take the lead with a field goal instead of having, instead of having to score a touchdown. Uh, it didn't make a, it didn't matter. Um, late in the game, as Pittsburgh would go on to run the clock out uh, and get, get a, you know, get a just getting by type victory for Pittsburgh. This, this game, of course, was a defensive game um, in regards to how it was played. Uh, these two teams always play close games, even without a multitude of players on both sides, especially Baltimore with no Lamar Jackson. Uh, with no Lamar Jackson and uh, you know Mar- you know Mark Ingram, um, as well, uh, Mark Ingram Jr. as well. So yeah, you know this game probably it, it, the game probably shouldn't have been played. To be honest with you, uh, this you know the NFL is going to go you know is going to get this season done through hell high water. Uh, you saw what happened with Denver. You see how many games have been um, you know. Pittsburgh will play the Pittsburgh Washington game has been postponed till next Monday, a pushback, uh, push you know, pushback to Monday. Um, you know, you see the Dallas Baltimore game being pushed back uh, to the following three, uh, the following Tuesday. So the NFL is going to go out its way to make sure that all these games are played. And I think this is going to be one of these seasons, unlike the NBA with the NBA bubble. I think that COVID will have an impact on who is holding the Super Bowl trophy at the end, at the end, at the end of the season. Uh, I really do. I, I just don't think it's going to be avoided. 
we are in the midst of record cases across the country. Uh, you know, COVID is, you know, is having this wave with the country right now. We know that we know that there are vaccines that, you know, are uh, vaccines that are being uh, worked on as basically as we speak, three different, three different vaccines, but those vaccines are not going to be ready uh, in time for the, when the NFL season is over and the people that they do go out to will not be uh, NFL players. And they, you know, first people that are going to get those, those vaccines are going to be medical people and, you know, first responders and, uh, you know, people in nursing homes and what have you know, and which which you know should be the case. So the NFL, you know, is I think the you know I think the NFL, frankly, does not care if a team that has no business winning the Super Bowl wins the Super Bowl. They don't care about the integrity of their sport in regards to a champion and who's in the Super Bowl and who wins it. They just you know they're just trying to get the season over with. Period. They're just trying to get the season. They're just trying to get the season complete. Um, so, I, unlike unlike the NBA, I, be, I do believe that the, that COVID will have an impact on the team holding the the, uh, the trophy at the end. As far as Pittsburgh goes, you know Pittsburgh goes to eleven zero, eleven and zero, and you're going to start to hear rumblings about possibly going undefeated. They still have a couple of tough games left. I believe they're at Cleveland in the final week of the season and they have Buffalo following Washington. So they should be 12 and 0. We're all due respect to, to, to Washington who, you know, is playing, you know, is playing well defensively and had a big win Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving uh, evening, uh, Thanksgiving afternoon against the Cowboys. But uh, we know, we know what the Cowboys are, are like this year. So they should be 12 and 0 part of that Buffalo game. The game is at Buffalo. We know Buffalo on a given day can play with any team in the league. We know Buffalo is going to be probably more likely is going to be in the playoffs and and, and, and is in uh, prime con- prime uh, condition uh, uh, prime position I should say to win the uh, AFC East. So uh, Buffalo's a very good team. Um, if they don't lose to Buffalo, you know it's that, if they don't lose to Buffalo, then it becomes a distinct possibility that they can go into that that uh, week. 17 uh, game against Cleveland um, undefeated. There's a very distinct possibility. So, um, again, I think this Pittsburgh team is, you know, one of two best teams in the league along with Kansas City. I don't think this is a great Pittsburgh team. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're an all-time great Pittsburgh team. They have a great defense. You know, Roethlisberger is back. You know, he's going to be a Pro Bowler this year. And should be should get some uh, MVP consideration, but you know he's not getting. He, you know he won't. Uh, those two candidates. We'll talk about those two candidates later on. That completely kind of separate themselves from the rest of the pack uh, in regards to the MVP race and everything. But we know about the, You know this is a very good Pittsburgh team. Obviously, very good Pittsburgh team. Um, and they, you know they're going to win it with their defense. And uh, if they do win the Super Bowl, they do get to the Super Bowl. It will be because of that defense. You know that defense, you know, is dominant across the board. Um, across the board with the with the pass rush, and and with their uh, with their secondary as well. So um, as far as Baltimore goes, I you know Baltimore has lost I believe three straight games, but they're not they're not playing terrible football. Like some of the some of the losses have the most their losses have been very close losses, to be honest with you. I mean, both the both Pittsburgh games were one possession games. They lost a close game against Tennessee. Um, you look at again, they've lost a lot a number of closely one score games. So it's not you know, that that team if they get to the playoffs right now the playoffs were to start, they would be out of the mix. Um, even with even with the extra team this year. Even with the NFL having seven teams, uh, fourteen total this year because of uh, you know because of the COVID, um, that team finds a way. They find a way to get to the playoffs. They they would be a dangerous team. You do not want to face Baltimore in the playoffs. They're you know they're well coached. They're a tough team. They're excellent defensively, and they have of course you know the ultimate weapon in Lamar Jackson, who you know despite the fact that he hasn't been great this year, is still a very Difficult player to uh, plan against and to uh, to play against, um, to game plan against. So, I wouldn't totally dismiss Baltimore. Um, again, I even before this losing streak, 
I didn't think that they could win a Super Bowl or get to, get to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl. But I'm not totally thinking that they're. I'm not ready to totally toss them over the cliff, um, despite the three game uh, losing streak. Uh, today, uh, other headlines going on today. You have, of course, uh, LeBron James signing the two year, eighty five million dollar extension to basically, I would say, finish his career as a Los Angeles Laker. Uh, when that extension is done, he'll be on year 20, and he'll be 38 years old. And, you know, I, it, it's not out of the realms of possibility with LeBron that he could play past 38, especially with the prospects of, you know, his son possibly, you know, his son at that point would be, I believe his son would be 18 at that point, 18 or 19. I want to say 18. Um, and, and, and one thing about that, let's not assume – you know, LeBron may want to play with his son, but let's not assume that Bonnie James is going to go straight, is going to be good enough to go straight from high school to pros. Uh, like, I, again, I, I've seen the YouTube clips, seen the Instagram pictures where he's, he's had to, you know, he's had his growth spurt. Surprise, surprise, his, you know, his father is 6'9", 270. So at some point he was going to grow from 6'2", you know, probably to about, he'll be probably about 6'8", 6'7", 6'8", himself. But, you know, he's grown a couple inches, gotten stronger. I'm not saying he's not a good player, um, and I'm not saying he won't make the league, but I'm just saying we should not assume that he's going to go pro or be at that level to go pro directly from high school. And I have not heard that talked about enough when it comes to when we've had a when the conversations have been brought up about the idea that LeBron will possibly could uh, could play with his son or play his, you know or you know stretch out his career to. Uh, to make that a possibility, to uh, make that a possibility. Uh, but getting back to the contract, listen, um, LeBron, you know, I'm not surprised by this, you know, for, you know, two years, $85 million. The Laker organization has surrounded him um, with the, with the team that can compete for a championship for years to come. They're going to sign, you know, Eddie Davis is going to resign. It's just a matter of what type of contract that, you know, he takes. Um, he could do a two plus one and become a free agent. And, um, become a free agent and get to a point to where he can command 35% of the salary cap. So it's just a matter of not if, but when he signs with the Lakers and how long his deal will be. So they're going to be around for the foreseeable future. As long as LeBron stays healthy um, and doesn't completely fall, you know, just doesn't completely just go into their tank, um, which again, there's no, there are no signs that that's going to happen um, anytime soon, um, at least within the next year. At least I give LeBron at least another two years to be maybe not so much the best player in the world, but be a guy who could be a top five, a top five guy, a guy who can be an all NBA caliber player. Uh, so, you know, we, his son is there in, you know, in California. He has a bunch of houses in California. Uh, just bought a new, just bought a new house. Um, you know, we know what he's doing with the movies and the productions, the production company. So, you know, it, why not sign this extension? <laughs> like, it's, you know, there were thoughts that maybe he was going to become a free agent in 2021. He's 35 years old. And at a certain point, you want to settle down. Uh, you don't want to be in the spotlight in terms of uh, have that kind of spotlight, spotlight on you every time you become a free agent. So I, I think I can see... I completely understand why LeBron made this decision. Uh, they're coming off a championship. The organization is in the best shape that is, it has been since, you know, the 2010s, you know, the 2010s, or you know, 2000s, or the 2000s through 2010. And is, you know, it's, it's an ideal situation for him to be in at this stage in his life. So and he's in a great place in his life right now. So why upset the apple cart by going through another? free agency, where is LeBron going to end up? Or, you know, what what is he going to do? Will he jump to another team? You know, it's just I think that this, you know, is the move. To, if you're LeBron, you want to establish a Laker legacy, and one title will not do it. You know, if he wants to, you know, if he wants to be in that conversation or, you know, talk about being the GOAT, and, and what have you, you got to win multiple championships and winning multiple championships is no better place to win multiple championships than with the Los Angeles Lakers. This is all there is to it. So completely not surprised by this, by any stretch of imagination. 
Now, on the screen, that as you can see, I have the Christmas Day matchups. The NBA schedule for the first half came out um, opening week, of course, December 22nd, which amazingly is only is, is you know three weeks from today. Like the NBA, <laughs> like the NBA season will start. Today's the second. The NBA season will start three weeks from today. We'll say today's the first, so no, three weeks from three weeks from yesterday. I apologize. Today's Wednesday, so three weeks from less than three weeks from yesterday, the NBA season will start. Um, training camps open this week. Um, you have uh, so opening night. You'll see uh, Clippers and Lakers, uh, Boston and um, Miami. Uh, Clippers, Lakers, Boston, and I believe Boston and Miami. Um, the Christmas Day matchups. I had a little issue with the Christmas Day matchups. Now on the corner, on the where I'm pointing, these are the Christmas Day matchups that they that that the league uh, assigned. Yeah, the Lakers, Dallas, which would be the prime time one, eight o'clock. Uh, Clippers, Denver would be the you know the nightcap. Milwaukee, Golden State. Will be, I believe, the second game. First game of the day will be Miami, New Orleans, and the five o'clock game will be Boston, Brooklyn. All excellent matchups. You know, by star power, of course. Uh, all the teams that were in the at, were in at least the Eastern Conference, the Eastern and Western Conference semis, semifinals, with the exception of say Houston, uh, are where a lot of them are there. All the all the conference finalists are there in regards to the the Lakers, Miami. Um, Lakers, Miami, um, Boston, uh, and Denver. Problem is, I, to me, I know. Listen, Luca. Luca is a guy. Luca's is his, his star is skyrocketing. There's no question about it. But to me, I I would add Lakers, Clippers. These are the matchups I would add on Christmas Day, preferably. Lake. I would add Lakers, Clippers, uh, Boston. You no, know, Miami, Boston, Golden State, Brooklyn. And Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Dallas, Denver, New Orleans. Now, and by the way, apologies. I, Miami, Boston is, is not opening night. That actually is going to be on a Wednesday. Um, Golden State, Brooklyn is going to be opening night. That'll actually be yeah. That'll be uh, opening night along with the Lakers, Clippers. I would have just moved those games. You know, I would just had you know Golden State, Brooklyn. I would have just flipped those games on on Christmas and had the Lakers, the Clippers on Christmas Day, and Golden State, Brooklyn on Christmas Day. That would have been, you know, my preference to be honest with you. But I understand what the NBA is doing. Luca is going to be the next. You know, Luca is the next guy in, in the league, along with the Greek Freak. And but Luca is, you know, generational talent. Um, and you know, where and you want to have, you know, the young gun versus the current, you know, king of the league in regards to LeBron James. I understand it from that standpoint. The league is all about his stars, and always has been. But I, I just don't think, uh, in terms of the best possible Christmas, the, the Christmas Day matchup, I, I think you could have had a better matchup. Yeah, I mean, you could have Lakers Clippers. Nah, I mean, you could have Lakers Celtics, to be honest with you, on Christmas Day. Uh, you know, those two those two teams will probably, you know, Boston is going to be in the mix to, uh, to get to the finals. Um, so, but, you know, it's some minor things. It's, it's not, a, I don't, I'm not, it's, it's not a major complaint, but just a little, little minor complaint. In, um, in terms of what the NBA, and in terms of what they're scheduling, a couple things. Um, of course, Kemba Walker uh, will be out until January, um, so he was, you know he had some knee issues, of course, throughout the course of the bubble, but still played, you know, still played and played up until the Eastern Conference Finals. So you know, maybe this is more about precautionary than anything else. But uh, he'll be out to January, um, which means something in a season like this. Only seventy-two games. Um, but if you're Boston, the two, but you still, you still have your two best players and three of your four best players in terms of Tatum, Brown and Marcus Smart. So they should, they should be fine until, uh, he gets back. Of course, week 12 is finally in the books. Um, again, the NFL is, is they, they were going to get this Baltimore Pittsburgh game in if, if they would have played it on Friday. I mean, they, they were determined 
to get this game in. We already, we've already talked about that. A um, couple things that stood out by Week 12. Uh, Kansas City, Tampa Bay was a fun game. Um, I, you know, we, we got to we, we make, make a choice, especially with the media. You know, which is it with Tom Brady? Is he, is he done or is he the MVP? You, you, gotta, you have to pick a narrative. When Tom Brady plays well, it's like, whoa, nobody, we've never seen this before. 43 years old, he could play another five years. Tom Brady throws a couple picks. Oh, my, yeah, he's just, you know, he's done. He's done. Stick a fork in him. He hates Bruce Arians. They don't get along. It, it's, I mean, it's just, you got you to gotta pick, pick a narrative. You know, pick, pick a, please pick a narrative if you're the media. Um, listen, that game probably shouldn't even have been as close as it was. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay left, uh, Kansas City left a lot of points on the board in that particular game. They should have scored a lot more points considering the yardage. Uh, right now, and we'll talk, you know, we'll talk about this later. Right now, they have the MVP of the league in my book in, in terms of Pat, Pat, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Um, and, you know, Kansas City can beat you in a variety of ways. They, they can beat you. In a, in a, they can beat you run the football. They can beat you with Mahomes. They can win. Now, the defense is not great, but frankly, the defense doesn't have to be great. They get enough, you know, they get enough of a pass rush and make enough plays uh, to, you know, to get their offense a, uh, you know, to get their offense enough possessions to where, you know, you have no answer for Pat, for Patrick Mahomes. You know, I would love to see that Kansas City Pittsburgh in the AFC, in the AFC championship. But other than Pittsburgh, I, I don't think – I think maybe New Orleans could bother them in the Super Bowl with their defense. If they looking at looking at teams that could possibly beat Kansas City and deny them a second uh, a repeat championship, but that that list, of course, is is very short. Um, as far as Tampa Bay goes, I think people are way too hard on Tampa Bay as a as a team. Uh, they're seven and five. They're in the playoff mix. They have an excellent defense. Tom Brady, you've got more out of Tom Brady than you could have ever imagined at this stage in his career. I mean, Tom Brady, for the most part, you know, he's had two bad games against the Saints. Um, he wasn't horrible against uh, Kansas City. You know, again, had a couple picks, but he wasn't horrible in, in this game. Uh, brought him back, you know, brought him back somewhat back, kept him from getting blown out. But I think you, I've been completely satisfied with the Tom Brady's performance this year. I don't know what He's not going. He's not at that level. I'm not at that stage in his career where he's going to carry a football team. It's just not going to happen. You need a lot around him. You need a solid running game. You need an excellent defense. Um, so I, you know, I don't. Again, I don't know what people expected out of Tom Brady. I, I think if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you have to be happy about what you got now, Tom Brady, over the uh, throughout the course of, of the season for the most part. Uh, at you know, at the age of 43, so you can like. Would you rather have Jameis Winston throwing, you know, 35 interceptions or would you rather have a guy that's going to have you in the playoffs? And by the way, you know, other than New Orleans, there's nobody in the NFC that should should scare uh, or should make Tampa Bay nervous. There's not like the Rams. Again, I don't trust Jared Goff. Still don't trust Green Bay's defense. Uh, we know the NFC East is a joke. Who else? Who else is there? Seattle now Seattle has played better defensively uh, of late, but keep this in mind they're going against a, a Philadelphia offense that's you know that's that's mediocre right now. But see again, Seattle the Seattle defense has picked up. So if that, if Seattle's defense can if Seattle's defense uh, picks up, they could be you know they could be they could be interesting in the playoffs because we know what what Russell uh, what Russell uh, Wilson brings to the table. Um, but if I'm Tampa Bay, uh, you know, I, they get to the playoffs. I fully expect – I would fully expect to compete for, uh, uh, you know, for MC Championship and to get to the Super Bowl. Like they, they will be in that mix without question. I don't think they'll get there, but they will certainly be in that mix if they get to the playoffs. Uh, I mentioned Philadelphia and Seattle. Um, in regards to Carson Wentz, uh, a lot – I just don't – you know, I, I don't understand – I can understand how people are down on Wentz right now, but what I don't get is from an organizational standpoint of how you allow, you give a guy 
the contract you gave him. And then you don't want to surround him with the necessary pieces that, you know, could help him, make, could keep him at that level where he was at in 2017, uh, where he was, I thought, should have been an MVP. I know Brady wanted to, that year. I thought Wentz should have been an MVP that year. Or even last year when he carried them single-handedly to the playoffs. The, they have no weapons on offense. The offensive line is a, is a dumpster fire, to say the least. You know, Jason Peters is done. Lane Johnson's out for the season. They have one guy who you trust on the offensive line right now, and that's that's Kelsey. That's it. The rest of the offensive line is is is, is bad. Look at their running backs. Look at their position players. You, you, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey is a shell of what he once was. You know, you, are you scared of of, of, of you know of uh, Miles Sanders? And who's the other guy? Dallas Boston. Oh, but no, not Dallas. Boston, I think it's Boston Scott. Like they, you know, other than the tight ends, and we know, and Ertz is Ertz is out. God is very good, but they, they just don't have the weapons. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he turns over the ball way too much, and he, even when you know, even when he was at a Pro Bowl level, he still turned over. That, that's been an issue for him throughout the course of you know, for the, throughout the course of his of his career. I listen. I think Wentz is still a franchise quarterback, and I'm telling you right now, I would, I would trade every. I, if I'm as a Washington football fan, I would trust me. I would take Carson Wentz on my team right now. Right now, I would love to have Carson Wentz on my team, giving him, you know, giving him some weapons, give him a solid running game, and he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Again, I it's it's, it's baffling to watch Philadelphia. Considering where they were uh, a couple of years ago, and that's, you know we know what happens with the Super Bowl hangover teams when the Super Bowl is hard to repeat. I, I wasn't expecting them to repeat, but um, you know it's kind of I, I guess it's kind of been a steady decline with them. You know they made the playoffs. They have made the playoffs. It's not like they've missed the playoffs the last two or three years. They have made if they miss playoffs this year, it'll be the first time since two thousand what sixteen that they've missed the playoffs. So they've made the playoffs three straight years coming into this year. Um, but I guess uh, you know more was expected from them this year. But again, I, I think I, I look at that roster. I think, you know, the defense is is good, but it's not what it once was. It's a top ten defense when they were very good. When they were Super Bowl contenders, they were a legit top five defense. So it slipped enough to where you know is is you know it, there was a point where it was a dominant defense. Now it's just, it's just very good. It's very good defense. Not 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 bad, but very good. But um, offensively, I, I just can't understand. Again, to me, I look at it, it's very simple. To me, it's just they don't have the person, they don't have the horses. They don't have the horses, and Carson Wentz is taking a beating. I mean, Seattle does not. Seattle's pass rush has picked up a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but it's not. They don't have a great pass rush. That's six sacks in that game. That's six sacks in that game. So, um, I, I listen. I, I think. With Wentz, I don't see the guy. They're kind of going to be stuck with him for the next two years. I shouldn't even I shouldn't even phrase it like that because again, I still think Wentz is a uh, I still think Wentz is a top twelve, top fifteen quarterback. He hasn't he hasn't played like it this year, but as far as ability, I still think he's in that upper echelon of quarterbacks. Um, they got to get pieces around him. They're drafting the last. You look at their last couple drafts. It's not. They've not. They've been bad. They've had some bad drafts, even free agency, where it's not so much picking up superstar players, but even even you know finding even picking up players who have been productive. They have. They've struck out in free agency and in the and in the, and in the draft over the past two or three years, and it's been like it's been a slow death. It, you know, it doesn't. It hasn't exposed itself because they've been in the playoffs, and maybe. This sounds crazy. Maybe they need. Maybe the best thing would have been for them to miss the playoffs in 2018 or 2019 to kind of to kind of to kind of show that they needed to kind of reload the roster. Um, but uh, that that front office is not doing a good job with the, with in terms of their personnel. Uh, you want to knock Doug Peterson? You can knock Doug Peterson. He's a coach. You, we give him credit when they win. When they play well, the team hasn't played well this year, so he has to take the blame. That's just part of being head coach in the, in the National Football League. 
But I wouldn't I, – I, I don't think Doug Peterson forgot how to coach. I mean, look at his win-loss record. Um, this is, what, his fifth year, three playoff appearances in the Super Bowl and, and, a, and a great player and a, what, four and two in the playoffs. Not too many coaches have that resume. Um, not too many coaches out, outside of Belichick, Andy Reid, and Mike Tomlin can match that type of resume. So – I just think you know Philadelphia has to kind of take take a step back and reevaluate their just you know their scouting and their player personnel and and you know Howie Roseman and, and their front office more than anything. Um, when I talk about COVID with the NFL, uh, Buffalo, of course, Buffalo, San Francisco uh, will be on the Buffalo, San Francisco will be next Monday night. Uh, you have two Monday night games, Buffalo, San Francisco, and, of course, Washington, Pittsburgh will both be on Monday night. And Baltimore, Denver, excuse me, Baltimore, Dallas will be next Tuesday. As far as the MVP race goes, uh, you see Aaron Rodgers here. Um, but I think I think right now the MVP is Patrick Mahomes. Now, Rodgers in, right now in Vegas, Mahomes is, is, is clearly ahead in Vegas. Like, he's... Um, he's he's number one, Rogers number two, and he's ahead by a substantial, you know, amount in terms of the betting line. Uh, but I think it's I, I think it's a clo- I think it's a close race um, right now. I mean, uh, Rogers leads the league in touchdown passes, highest rated quarterback. Uh, but Kansas City is ten and one, and you have Patrick Mahomes is on this just ridiculous streak uh, right now. This this stretch of games he's had where he's been just, you know off the charts. And he only has two interceptions. Uh, so, I mean, their numbers are basically a toss-up. Mahomes has less less interceptions, more yards. Rodgers has more touchdown passes, higher quarterback rating, however you want to decipher that. So, uh, you know, either one of these guys could win the MVP. I think they've clearly separated themselves from the rest of the pack, from, you know, Russell Wilson, and from, from, you know, there's been some talk of maybe, um, uh, maybe Henry, from uh, Tennessee, it is almost impossible for a running back to win the MVP. It's not impossible. It is very, it's very hard. Uh, you look at the last two running backs that have won MVPs, uh, Adrian, uh, Adrian Peterson in 2012, Daniel Thompson in 2006. Adrian Peterson had almost 21 yard, 2,100 yards rushing in 2012 and averaged six yards a carry. I mean, he had an all-time great year, won a great run. Rushing one of the great running back years ever, and that was a year where you know that was a year where he was just you know like historically great. But Daniel Thompson had 1,800 yards rushing and 20 scored the NFL record, 28 touchdowns. So in 2006, so you have to do something that spectacular, and and have the quarterbacks not be as great as they normally are, as normally as normally the top guys are. And for a running back to um, have any chance of winning the MVP, uh, I don't see it happening this year. Um, with Henry, Henry, you know, Henry's on pace. There's an outside chance of 2,000 yards. He, you know, if he averages like 149 yards, which probably won't happen, but it's, it's with him, you never. It's doable. Uh, the way he he gets stronger as the season as the game goes along, he's getting stronger as the season goes along. We remember what he did last. <laughs> Uh, it's, you know, unstoppable. There's not out there the possibility that he gets he can get two thousand yards, but as long as you have Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes playing at this level, it is you know, you know, it's going to possibly be a third place uh, third place finish for uh, Mr. Henry. For Mr. Henry, who will probably have to settle for just you know being a uh, first team All Pro. Of course, this week you had. Um, Weekend, past weekend you had the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, you know, uh, battle of legends fight. Um, before, <laughs> before we get to that fight, I had to talk. I you had to. I had to talk about the Nate Robinson, <laughs> Jake, Jake Robinson, Jake Paul. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to be serious in regards to Nate Robinson because I the jokes have been flying, the memes have been just all over the place. In all seriousness, though, I'm trying to be serious. I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm, you don't see my face right now, but I'm, I'm trying not to smile. 
because I just had that that meme of him laying down like somebody had gotten shot in, you know, in my head right now. But all jokes aside, Nate Robinson should have never been in the ring with this guy. Um, and it really, you know, Nate Robinson made about $25 million over the course of his NBA career, three-time slam dunk champion. So he got some, he, you know, I'm sure he had a few endorsements based on, just based off that alone. You know, it just makes you wonder what would possess a guy 36 years old to choose this as a means to get the bag, to get a bag. Now, he's going to make, in other words, he's going to make at least $600,000 for this fight. I've heard number. I've heard, I've heard numbers he could make from anywhere from 600000 to a million dollars. You know, Uncle Sam gets his cut. That'll probably, you know, be, say, $300,000, $500,000. But, you know, it's, it's still a bag. But I, I just wonder, like, what, where are you in your life that you would choose this as a means to your post-basketball career? Boxing is not is a sport, but it is not it's not a game. You know, we fighters have died in the ring. Okay, um, you don't just go, like these guys. You know, Snoop said it right. Snoop said it perfectly. And by the way, Snoop Snoop's like Snoop is a natural commentator. Uh, I mean, in terms of sports, he really uh, he really is. And I'm and I'm definitely someone who's hard to impress. Um, as many, as many sports, as, as long as I've been watching sports and different analysts and commentators, and commentators, Snoop was spectacular as a commentator with that fight and in terms of that fight. Um, but, you know, with Nate Robinson, like, you don't, you know, boxing is a, is a lifestyle, not a sport. That's what Snoop said. It's a lifestyle, not a sport. And, you know, you're facing a guy who's been training, who's been fighting now for two years, uh, two to three years, trains like six days a week, going up against other professionals, sparring against other professionals, has really taken it seriously. Versus a guy in Nate Robinson who, now I heard this, and I heard this over the weekend, well, Nate's a great athlete. He was a great athlete. Nate, Nate Robinson's 36 years old. He's not, in terms of, athletic, in terms of athleticism, he's not a spring chicken. There's a reason why he's been out the league for like the last five years. I know he played overseas two years ago, but he's been out the NBA for like five years now. Like, you know, you, it's, boxing is a is a, it's called a sweet science for a reason. It's not just going in there and throwing punches or rushing the dude, which you know got Nate, you know, almost almost got him killed um, when he uh, rushed when he rushed Jake Paul in the second round and got laid out. So he never should have been in the ring. Um, it, you know, again, it begs the question: Why has he chosen this as a secondary profession um, post bas You know, post basketball career. What has he done with his money? You know, was there a plan after basketball? Um, so it, it begs a lot of questions. Um, and I'm saying right now, if I were in the NBA, if I were in the, if I were in the NBA and I was a guy who was one of these fringe players or one of these guys who wasn't, you know, not a superstar and wasn't receiving a max contract, if I, you know, if I'm if I'm the a ranking file NBA player, I would be looking at what happened to Nate Robinson. And I'm saying, and I would be saying to myself, that will not be me. That will that that damn sure won't be me. So let me start planning right now for my post-basketball career because I don't have Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Chris Paul type money to sit on. And that, that if you want to, you know, forget, you know, you know, fuck all the memes. And again, I was laughing too. He, Nate going to get these jokes. We understand that. But on a, again, on a serious note, that was to me the biggest takeaway with the Nate, Rob with the, with the Nate Robinson fight. Why are you in this? Why, like, you're not going to do this professionally. You're not, you're not, this is not going to be something you, you continuously fight again. You're not going to have another fight. You should not fight again. 
You should you should never put on any. You should never put on gloves to. You should never have another fight again. Maybe if you want to spar, or you want to go out there and, and, and use boxing as a means to for exercise. That's fine, but he should never. He should never comparatively fight ever again, ever. But if I'm, you know, I'm a ranking ranking file player, a role player, player, a barely, you know, barely cracking the rotation, or I'm a guy that comes off the bench. I'm saying to myself, that won't, that will not be me. So yeah, right now. Uh, as far as the Tyson Jones uh, fight, I thought Mike Tyson took it easy on Jones. To be honest with you. Um, his most of his power shots went to the body. If you notice, um, Roy Jones. I'm not gonna say I. I heard, I heard some people say Roy Jones didn't want to be in there. I I disagree with that. I think Roy Jones just wanted to make it, just get out in one piece. I think Roy Jones always wanted to fight Tyson. It was something that was on his bucket list. But I just, I, again, the thing about Roy Jones is, and, you know, when, when Roy Jones was at his peak, and remember, if you don't, if you, you know, for my younger audience, Roy Jones is pound for pound, one of the greatest, ba- greatest boxers of all time in any, in any division, any weight range. He is pound for pound, one of the great, he is a all-time immortal boxer, period. And for a decade, he ran the sport. For a decade, he was the best boxer. In the decade of the '90s, he was the fighter, the fighter of the decade in the '90s. Period. So, but when he was at his peak, Roy overwhelmed you with athleticism and power. That blend, he, you know, he had that blend. There are probably only two of the boxers that I can think of that had that that perfect mix of athleticism and power. Uh, athleticism, speed, and power, and that was Sugar Ray Robinson and 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 Muhammad Ali. When before he was Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, when he was Cassius Clay, and before he, you know, before he, of course, was uh, before he had uh, got uh, banned from the sport due to uh, not refusing to go to Vietnam. That Muhammad Ali, the one that beat that Cassius Clay, the one that beat the hell out of Sonny Liston twice. Um, those those two boxes had. It, those two boxes are, are the greatest combo combination of speed and power that I've, I've ever witnessed in regards to, you know, watching them on film, reading stuff that you read, listening to the historians, especially the late and great Burt Sugar. Roy Jones would be third on that, of course, third on that list. But still, he, you know, you ne- we, we hadn't seen since, since, my, since Cassius Clay that combination of speed and power. Once Roy lost, when Roy started getting knocked out, he started getting knocked out because he was easy to hit. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just that simple. He became easy to hit. And unlike a Muhammad Ali, Roy was not one, one of these fighters who was going to do the rope-a-dope. He was not going to be one of these fighters who was going to win with, um, with guile or with... Uh, I don't want to question his toughness because anybody, you know, anybody, I'm not questioning the toughness of anybody that steps in that ring, but he, like, he was not, a, he, he was not a craftsman. Like, he was not, like, Bernard Hopkins is a guy who, he was, Bernard Hopkins is a guy who can beat you, who is the polar opposite. He wasn't, he's not going to overwhelm you with athleticism. He's a strictly a technical genius and they won a great defensive fighters of all time. And he could win, you know, he can win a fight just on sheer tactics and and, 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 te- and as a tactician, that was not Roy Jones. Roy Jones is not a tactician, and he was not a, a a slugger from that standpoint. Once that athleticism, once that athleticism dissipated, it you know it was a wrap. And remind and remember, Roy Jones he he was on top of the sport for a decade. At some point, it was going to. Um, but even longer than a decade, I mean, really, you know, Roy Jones had, you know, he started losing in the, what, the early 2000s, yeah, 2002, 2003, Antonio Tarver, um, you know, a couple, and then a couple other guys, there's uh, one guy that's eluded me, um, Glenn, who was Canadian, I lost, I thought, I've lost, I forgot the guy's name, that knocked him out as well. But he started getting knocked out a lot uh, towards the end of his career. So, you know, you look at this fight, 
he was a a pinata for Tyson. I mean, he was, he, I mean, he couldn't. He, that that speed, that athleticism, it was, it, of course, is gone. And he, and, you know, Tyson again. Tyson could have knocked Roy Jones's head off if you want, if you really wanted to. I don't think Tyson really. I think Tyson, you know, wanted to get out, go out, wanted to get, wanted to go out there, put on a show, get a good workout in, um, kind of you know, scratch that itch. But I, if this, if, if, if this were Mike Tyson. As far as and I'm not even talking about from a skill standpoint, I'm talking about in terms of his mindset. If this is with Mike Tyson of the you know '90s, early 2000s, it, you know it, it really wouldn't have ended well for Roy Jones. I mean, Mike Tyson is a completely changed person since he retired from boxing, uh, since we last seen him box. So um, and he clearly won the fight. I, I think they just you know they did the draw thing just you know out of, I, I don't know why they did why why you know they scheduled they called it a draw. But I, I guess. They just were happy that both guys were able to walk out the ring at ages 55, 54, 51. But again, I can see Tyson, um, you know, Tyson's going to fight again. I think Roy is done or should be done, uh, to be honest with you. And, uh, but, you know, again, I don't see Tyson. Now, I think Tyson's smart enough not to get in a ring with a Tyson Fury, you know, or Anthony Joshua. I think, you know, he's going to, he seems to be kind of like, Want to do what John McEnroe did with the tennis with this legends? Want to have like a legends division? So maybe you know, maybe he calls, maybe he, maybe he gets guys like uh, maybe Lance Lewis comes back. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he gets maybe he gets this going with this legends division. Uh, Riddick Bow. We've always you know they've already been some rumors about Holyfield, which I would love to see. I would love to see how Holyfield Tyson, uh, considering where he left off in the the mid to late nineties with you know the ear biting and, and all that. I would love to see that fight again, but um, I was in, I was very impressed with Tyson. He was in excellent shape, uh, physically he's in great shape. Um, and overall, you have to consider this thing this this you know this, this night, especially with what happened with Nate Robinson, to be a, a major success. Uh, Little Wayne not being there, I think was a was a plus. Snoop, you know, taking his place. So everything everything that could possibly go right for this particular event went right. To be honest with you. Um, as far as boxing goes, coming up this week, of course, you have uh, Danny Garcia and Danny Garcia and Errol Spence Jr. So definitely looking forward to that fight, um, fight as well. But um, again, um, enjoyed watching Tyson back in the ring, kind of brought back a nostalgia with you know the no socks, black shorts. Um, but so it, it, it definitely was worth, uh, you know. Definitely would have been, you know, if you bought the, you know, if you bought the fight, you definitely got your uh, money's worth without question. This is, of course, the Real Deal Podcast, the Real Joe Quinn. Um, check out, check out my latest podcast, The Wire Remix, Season Three, Episode Ten, Reformation. Um, of course, I was joined by one Robert Sapp. We broke down um, that episode. Uh, it was a very good episode, of course. Um, and now we are, you know, this weekend we will break down a classic, iconic episode, Middle Ground. It is a, you know, listen, if you haven't, if you have not um, listened to the podcast, go binge all 10 episodes of the podcast, of my podcast and listen, because you have to, you have to be caught up for this episode, because this is going to be a major, major episode um, of, you know, of uh, just a, just one of the great television episodes of all time. So that'll be coming up this weekend. But of course, you can always check out my latest episode with the Wire Remix, Real Deal Podcast, the Wire Remix, uh, season three, episode 10. Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, uh, been in the news lately in regards uh, for the different reasons. Um, by all accounts, this you know, I, you look at Dave Kevin Hart and, and Dave Chappelle are like the uh, the Drake and Kendrick Lamar of comedy um, right now. There's no question that Dave Chappelle is at the top of the comedy world as far as who you would, when you talk about the goat, the best there's is Dave Chappelle. Right, he's the, he is the best comic comedian. He is the best comedian on earth right now. I don't think it's not, it's not even close. 
He's like, I think Kendrick Lamar is the best rapper on the planet right now. Um, it's very interesting with them where they're at in their respective careers in terms of their perspectives, their, their perspectives on life. I watched the Kevin Hart special. Uh, finally, um, got a chance to watch it. Wasn't as bad as people were making it out to be, to be honest with you. And I didn't, now keep in mind, I did not go in with great expectations. I, I've long said that Kevin Hart is not a great stand-up comedian. He's never been a great or a pure stand-up comedian. He's had moments here and there early in his career where you, got, you, know, you, you laugh at some jokes or some bits that he's done. But I don't, I, I, I have not rewatched the Kevin Hart comedy special maybe ever. I don't think I've, I, I don't think I've ever, re, I, I don't think I've ever rewatched in recent memory, at least, it's been at least five, five, maybe longer, five years since I watched the uh, Kevin Hart's uh, comedy special, to be honest with you. Um, but with that being said, he is the biggest star in the, you know, he's the highest grossing comedian last year. He's in every movie. He's everywhere. He's without question in terms of success and box office. Um, he, you know, he's at he's near at the top of the heat. That goes without saying. You can knock you can, you can knock and stand up all you want. You can't deny how successful he is and has been. And basically, for the latter part of the better better part of the last, you know, decade. You know, to be honest with you, you know, early you know early two thousand tens all up until up until, you know, 2020 right now as we head into 2021. But, you know, I found it, I found it interesting, you know, his, his special, his perspective about, you know, giving zero fucks. And, it, you know, it came off as like, he's not happy with being a celebrity. And he, it, he, it does, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not questioning Kevin Hart's mental um, his mental space right now. I'm not saying he's depressed or not happy with life, nothing, nothing like that. I just, you know, I just don't think he's in, he doesn't seem to be like he's he doesn't seem to be in a good place in regards to his professionally, which is incredible to say considering how successful he is. Like, you know, you can, you know, there was, he, there was some gems in that special, some intro, some very introspective gems in that special that he did. You can talk about it all you want and it wasn't a classic and it wasn't certainly something that I won't rewatch, but then, it, you know, he, he said some things that in regards to where he's at, um, that kind of, that really, that kind of, that stood out um, in regards to being a celebrity, you know, not wanting to come out the house, and beyond just beyond the fact of COVID, and I and I think with Kevin, you know, I think that he's at a place in his career. I, I think um, he's at his peak, and I I just think that he probably needs to just step back out of the spotlight maybe for a couple months, maybe even for a year to kind of, you know, catch his breath. You know, you, you can be a workaholic and you can work yourself to a point to where you, um, you get burned out. And the problem with Kevin Hart is, you know, the problem is, you know, he talks about giving zero fucks when he absolutely gives a thousand fucks. That can be, you know, I'm saying he gives zero fucks can be furthest from the truth. Let me, tell you, let me tell you why I can be first from the truth. Because every time he receives any type of criticism, he responds. He responds via Twitter, Instagram, whatever. He's going. He responds. So he, cl he clearly gives. He clearly gives a fuck. There's, there's no two ways about it. And, you know, he's, at the end of the day, he's a human being. At the end of the day, he's a human being. But um, you know, I you know, I, I think I, myself, I, I just think Kevin needs. I, I think Kevin Martin needs, just needs to take a break. Just take a break. Uh, he can still put people on. He can still. He still has a number. Of, he still has a, a production company. He still. He can still do stuff behind the scenes without being in the spotlight. And I think I just say, I, and that's you know that is one of his problems. You know, right. You know, right there and there, right there is the fact that he loves to be in the spotlight. 
loves the spot. He loves the lights. You know, it, it, you know, fame could be a drug. Fame is like a drug. It can be a drug fella. And, you know, a lot, a lot of these guys, a lot of these, people, a lot of these celebrities just love being a celebrity. They love, they love just being famous, love being talked about, love trending. As far as Dave Chappelle, um, I watched the special Unforgiven. I definitely, it's, about, it's only about 19 minutes long or 18 minutes and 40 seconds. It's very short. Um, I'm not going to, you know, get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of what he talked about. You, 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 you don't need me to tell you that anyway because you probably already know in regards to, you know, Chappelle's show and Netflix and, 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 and you know, all that. You can check it out for yourself and, and find that out. I just... I, I just find him to be a polar opposite of where Kevin Hart is at. And again, I'm not comparing. We clearly know who is a superior comedian. That's not even an issue. And I mean, it's not a knock on Kevin Hart to say Dave Chappelle is the best. Nobody, nobody is coming close to Dave Chappelle right now in terms of a pure stand-up. No one. No one. It's just, you know, he's, you know, he's playing in a different league right now. But right now, I look at him, I, you know, you... You look at his perspective on life, and there is a peace. There's a peace of mind that he has right now that, you know, is frankly, it's kind of rare for a celebrity, a guy at his with his talent, or a celebrity to find uh, at this stage in their careers. And you look at what you know. He doesn't care about trying to make people laugh anymore. You really, I mean, you watch, you watch eight four six. You watch Unforgiven. You watch even with Saturday Night Live. He does not give a shit about trying to make you and I laugh. If we laugh at what he says, it's basically a byproduct of of, of his storytelling, of his communication. He's, I, I don't, and he, he's completely made that transition. And, you know, I was thinking about it, that takes, the type of security you have to have is, is just, it's unfathomable, to be honest with you. It's because your job as a comedian, you've been, you've been taught and you, you've grown up and you've been groomed to make people laugh. That's what that's what you've been taught. That's that's my job. My job is to make you laugh, make people laugh, bring joy to people's you know, bring joy from a standpoint to someone who maybe has had a bad day or is having a bad week. For those forever, thirty minutes, an hour, however long you said it, you, you said it. Chappelle is so completely comfortable in in terms of where he's at, in terms of who, in terms of being in, in terms of being his being in his own skin. So. And being in his own skin, he's not seeking mine's or yours approval at all. He doesn't. He, he really doesn't need us. Doesn't need me or you to laugh at his jokes or to laugh at what he says. And you know, I just you know. I just think it's a very it's very interesting to watch these two in terms of their kind in terms of where they're at in their careers. Um, it's fascinating. It's actually it's fascinating to be honest with you. Both highly successful, both at their the top of their games, um, business wise, and in terms of Chappelle as a, as an artist. And one is at peace. And I in in Dave Chappelle and, I, and with Kevin Kevin Hart, I just, I don't see it. I, I I I think he's he's searching, kind of searching for that piece. Now I'm not saying Kevin Hart doesn't enjoy being Kevin Hart. He has kids, has a wife, survived a car accident. You know, uh, survived a car accident. You know, fully recovered from that. I'm not saying I'm not saying you know Kevin Hart has. Thoughts, you know, has you know a mental illness or something. No, I'm not. I'm not even going. I'm not going that route in that direction. But what I'm just saying to you is just fascinating to watch. Though these two, you know, 
iconic comedians and in these in the, in the just where they're at in their careers and in their various perspectives on life right now. That's all. With the NBA, uh, getting back to the NBA, so if you haven't read this piece, uh, Taylor Rooks, uh, who is fast becoming, she's only, I think she's only 28, who is fast becoming one of the top uh, media personalities, reporters, in you know in uh you know in the NBA and maybe in sports right now she is a rising star. She has a piece in uh, GQ about the NBA bubble. It is it is just I, again I'm not going to step on it as far as giving out details. I encourage you to read it for yourself. Um, if you want someone who was there on the inside and who right now has as much accessibility to players as to NBA players as any reporter in the business right now. Like she is, and listen, let's be honest, you know, if you've seen Taylor, it, if you've seen Taylor Rooks, it's not hard to uh, figure out why players would want to speak to her. She's, you know, she's an attractive, attractive young lady, but she's a damn, she's a great reporter. And, and she, Again, it's a reason why she's in the position that she's in right now, and it's not. Just, trust me, it's not just because of her, it's not because of her looks. Uh, despite you know, despite that, um, she because by because by the way, there are you know there are a number of beautiful young talented reporters working in the sports media. They are a, they become a dime a dozen. To be honest with you. So if you're not bringing nothing to the table but looks, then you're not going you're just not gonna last long. But um, this piece is, I you know, read it last night. is you know is extremely well written, detailed on top of details. Great story, great, just great storytelling. And again, this is you know the kind of access that most people will not get. Uh, I was just blown away by how vulnerable players were in her presence, um, considering the circumstances. They're down there in a bubble basically two and a half to three months away from their families uh, in the midst of a pandemic, getting tested every day. And so, but despite that, uh, she was able to get out a lot of great, just a lot of great details, a lot of, and some, some just a number of nuggets out of the bubble um, that took place this, uh, this past summer. So since GQ magazine, the December, January edition, uh, just again, extremely well written. I, I certainly highly recommend the article. Um, and you know, hats off to her. She, and she is a rising. She, she's a, no, she's not a rising. She's a star right now. Uh, question. She's an absolute star right now. She's definitely on that that Jamel Hill, Carrie Champion track track uh, in regards to what you know what they're doing in, in their respective careers. Um, so check it out. Um, I think it's called Inside the Bubble. Um, I forgot the full title of it. It was the world's was the the world's magic place, the the magic place on earth. So it was a Disney. It was inside the bubble, and it had a Disney phrase um, as well. But you know, you'll find it in, in this issue, this month's issue, of course, of, of uh, GQ. Um, real, real thoughts. I I, I kind of. Been talking a lot. I don't know if I have any. Do I have any real thoughts right now? Um, again, um, I hope everybody enjoyed their uh, holiday. Um, you know, we we you know it's been it's been a challenging year to say the least. But remember, you're alive. Hopefully, you're healthy. Uh, 2021 will be here before you know it. And, you know, the bottom line is lean into something that you love to do. If you love to read, lean into reading. If you love to, uh, you know, if you, if you love to, you want to rearrange your house, lean into that. If you have a garden, lean into that. You know, lean, just find, find, you know, find something that you love to do. And absolutely just throw yourself into it. And if you don't have, if you don't, if you don't have something that you love to do, find it. Find it. Don't you know? Don't just be existing. Live. Live a life. Don't just don't just exist. 
It's one thing 2020 has taught us. You know, you, you got, we got to live. You can't just be out here existing. So those are my real thoughts uh, as we as I wrap up this latest podcast. Um, this will be up before the night is over. Um, definitely before uh, before midnight. As always, I um, have a wonderful rest of the evening. Have a wonderful rest of the week. I will see you next time. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. You see it here, www.youtube.com, Real Deal Podcast. You can find my podcast anywhere, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Live Talk Radio. I am all over. And, of course, I will post this on any on all of my social media accounts, uh, social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's going to wrap it up. I will see you next time. Have a great, great rest of the night.